This week I'm speaking to Jamie Keenan. Jamie is the drummer and the singer in Scottish band The La Fontaines. We discussed the band's career so far, which includes three albums, a book with another one in the way, and a critically acclaimed podcast. Also, at the end, Jamie picked his four heroes to come for a dinner party. I'll post links for where you can find the La Fontaines in the show notes. Thanks, and hope you enjoy. Cheers, man. Thank you for coming on, Jamie. Just for him, there's no way, obviously, you're the drummer of the La Fontaines. If you just want to tell us how you grew up, how you started it, and how you made your way into the music industry. <laughs> how I grew up. Uh, um, I grew up in Coltness, where I still stay. A different house, but um, i always been through Wishy. Uh, I started playing the drums and that, I think when I was about P7. My brother, Paul, he was fifth year or sixth year at the time, but he was uh, he played drums with a band at school, and he seemed to like always have birds and cool clothes and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so I started going to drum lessons at the Wisher Library on a Saturday afternoon, Saturday morning or something. I used my dad used to take me, mm-hmm. um, but it took like a few years before like. They thought I was serious enough to get a to get a drum kit or whatever, uh, right. rather than it just being like a a wee hobby sort of thing that doesn't. You know what I mean? It's like a, it's an investment sort of thing getting a drum kit. But mm-hmm. uh, I got one for this old childminder of mine, uh, Teresa. Uh, she had a drum kit and uh, I put it in a wheelbarrow, wheeled it back around to the house. <laughs> uh, and then played it in the conservatory. And it, but first year or second year of school, I don't know, I, I kind of picked it up fast and then the school sort of pushed that as well, like put me into the school bands and mm-hmm. things that were normally for older folk. So that got me, I don't know, playing and all that. And then it was, uh, I think, second year. First year or second year when I started my first band. I think the first name that we had was Rising Phoenix. Right. And then it became Shockwave. Uh, just with guys for school, we used to play like the lunchtime or whatever mm-hmm. in the school hall. And then it started. And then my band after that was the Jack and Uri's, we were called. We were mere pals. And then. Who was that name? Do I know any of them? Any boys for Wishy? Uh, I'm trying to think of the name. I guess for Wishy. We've played for about 10 years or something. Right. Uh, Cuff. A guy right, Cuff and singer. Mick was a guitarist and Sean's the bass player. Um, I are still some of my best pals, but mm-hmm. um, I just when we left school, they, they'd started going, uh, getting jobs. and but I was about 18, they started getting jobs and uh, going to uni and all that sort of thing, and I still wanted to like just played music all the time. And then Daz and Kerf were starting the, well, what became La Fontaine sort of thing. And then uh, it was more, I don't know, more happening. Right. Um, how, how did that come about? How did they approach you about joining the band? Because I don't know, you seem a bit kind of different for them. <laughs> <laughs> it was a guy, Finlay, 
who who manages now, and he played the guitar at first, and then I was playing in a band with him as well called Simply Ronnie, and then it was him and Kier that were starting the La Fontaines, and then uh, I started. They asked me just to come down for a jam, nice. um, but initially it was going to be like Kier. Care sort of backing band for his rap name was Prime mm-hmm. at the time, so it just got to be a backing band for him. And then, and then we started to hink, try to hink your names, um, and then we got the Laugh Fontaines. Right, well, okay, the, first name, we, 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 the first name we considered was uh, Club Karaoke, and it became the Laugh Fontaines. Right, and where did that, where did that come from? Because I was going to ask about that, the, where you get the name for the band. It's quite a cool um, name. There's a, a voice over actor called Don Lafontaine. Mm-hmm. Um, he used to do the, the, the voiceovers for trailers um, for movies and that. He's got a distinctive voice. Um, so I was like, one man in a city. Right. Uh, one desire. Like if you heard them, you, you know his name. Uh, we got we got a, a an email address from him, so we emailed them or Ker emailed them saying, uh, "We've got to, we've called your band after you," and he, we like asked them if they'd re- consider recording a, an intro mm-hmm. for us for us walking on the stage sort of thing. And he said he would, but he was in hospital with like like getting surgery on his throat, so he said he'd do it in a few weeks' time after he recovered. But then he died, so the first bit of press was because we get his last. Email. That's that's how the name came about. That's quite mental, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You basically killed that guy by choosing him as your name. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm okay. I think the, we didn't know if it was going to be Lafontaine's or the Lafontaine's, but obviously you don't you don't really think about the time. But there's like a Christian a Christian band for America. I can see the same you, name. Sometimes when you see that story, you get all that stuff as well. I, the line up of the band as well. Initially, you dug a girl in them, didn't you? Aye, Anna. Mm-hmm. So, what happened kind of with all the line-up changes and how you came to... Because it's basically the three years were in it for the start. So, initially, the first line-up was me and Daz and Kia, Finlay, and we had the guy, Johnny, um, who played the uh, synthesizer. Mm-hmm. Um, but then... He, I think he lives in, he'd moved up to Dundee and he wasn't really like, he was just ha- sort of half committed. So I think we chucked him. Um, and then we got Anna and he played the bass and we played half for a few years. Um, I can't mind what, what really happened to her, but I think she was just like the band was sort of second to her other things. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, she had that. Like, should uni and a job and all that sort of thing. Um, and I think we, we, I don't know, we already liked John. John was up for doing it sort of thing. So, uh, and John could sing. Yeah. Whereas I was, able, I was able to sing a wee bit, but like, it's he was fucking like really good. I think you've kind of grown into that though now, haven't you? But I, I see what you mean. I just, that's, when I got into ease, was with that line up with John Gerard there. Aye. 
uh, and that's kind of that's what I liked about it was uh, the rhythm with the uh, the singing as well. Because I thought he had a brilliant voice. Aye. Uh, Aye, big big bits to film in, but uh, I was like, because before I'd like like I've been writing the parts and all that sort of thing, so I, I could sing them, but it's just it was John was much better, and mm. it's hard to do do a lot of it well well. Playing the drums, sort of thing, at the same time. Aye, but uh, I just I don't know. Like, can you keep doing it? You get better at it. You're a brilliant singer. And oh, cheers, man. I don't, I, I don't think you kind of notice the difference now. Like, like a couple of years down the line, you don't really kind of miss John being there. Aye. I think it just suits the way it is. Well, can I go back and go through your career? Right. Okay. So obviously. 2008 when it you started it. 2011 was when you got your kind of twin Atlantic support. So would that have been? Oh, the, aye. Would that have been through, aye, through like Fraz? Fraz Jury. Aye, because I mind having um, him. I done a gig with him and uh, I ran a gig in Gerbridge and I had him on. Aye. And uh, he was talking about you. He just met you or something. And he was. But he would have been running Paisley Student Union, wouldn't he? We are twin Atlantic, so is that how that um, came about? I think we, I think we had the same manager, right. this lassie Amy. Um, it's twin Atlantic, and then we get a fucking mental hink in that. But that was that was 2011, ten years ago. So that was our first. Um, I think so. That was our first tour. Uh, we'd done a couple of gigs like. Away from Glasgow, a couple in Aberdeen and a couple in London or whatever, but no, none was a, a proper tour sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the first gig, I think the first gig was in Aberdeen at the Lemon Tree. And then after the gig, so this is 10 years, I would be 21. Uh-huh. Uh, but ru- ru- running about the hotel, and uh, me and Dad's running up to the like Twin Atlantic room and chatting the door and saying, like we're winding the room, we're hot hot boxing it sort of thing, uh, like hot boxing it with like hundred of bongs and all that thing. Sort of just pure excited for like being away for the maybe the first time. Uh, and it, they were, I mean, they, they weren't impressed with that uh, that sort of behaviour. Right, well, uh, they already already did professional being and I. Ah, yeah, they were all just like going to their bed or whatever. Um, and uh, I met the tour managers, I said that was the first night out there was to sort of calm down a wee bit. But we were just like, I don't know, it was all new and exciting. I suppose Aye. like now, as we're a bit older, it's, it is like the last couple of tours, it's like, you know what folk think a lot of times you're uh, just in a, a travel edge at the side of the motorway, uh, by one in the morning, watching uh, the undateables or something. Or... <laughs> <laughs> hey. and then, Whatever's so on then... the telly, like a pot noodle. Yeah, that year you played uh, the tea break stage as well at Tea in the Park. <laughs> filled it out as well. Did they not float back because you uh, filled the, the tent? Which I is... think, I, I don't know if, well, they, they, there's loads of rumours about like folk like, having to get like queue up for half an hour and all that to get in. Mm. But uh, I don't know if it was just because we got lucky with it being raining or, or something like that. I don't know but it was busy it was like a notable 
shift for the gigs we'd done before and then playing that year at tea break and then uh, there was a good sort of buzz about that and then after that I think we'd done our first like headline tour in Scotland mm-hmm. uh, like eight or nine gigs or something but just all we'd done like stereo in Glasgow and it was all like venues like that but they were all I don't know that's when we, like we noticed like folk were moshing at the gigs and all that and it was like Aye. folk knew the songs I don't know if there was anything properly released at the time but I don't know like folk were coming to see us sort of thing because mm-hmm. I would have been at that tea in the park but uh, but I wouldn't have been at yous I wouldn't have known about yous then I don't think I mean a couple of years Aye. later uh, so I remember I, I think we were on I don't know, I, I think we were on like the Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. I think we had quite, no, maybe early Saturday. But I think we maybe on first or second or something. Right. Uh, so I probably, but there's no chance of me the, seeing you that That was the Saturday, but I remember the Foo Fighters were, the Foo Fighters were headlining, I remember getting... Foo Fighters and Chemical game. Brothers, was it? I think they were on at the I same time. I I just remember it was, it was, I've never seen the Foo Fighters, but just as I was walking to get a lift to him, uh, they played Everlong, and it was a dead nice moment, thinking, what a fucking weekend, sort of thing. Oh, that's brilliant, um, man. So then, two years later, you played Dean the Park again, BBC Introducing Stage, is that the one that you That's the one I get play? kicked at. So, what um, that? so, when you were playing my headline in this BBC stage, uh, the pure big deal, it's got to be on the telly, telly and all that. So I, think, so I think we were on the Sunday night. My pal Johnny used to organise this bus up to Tina Park or a couple of buses. And it was just, I was, I'd never been there on this bus. I'd been up to Tina Park, but I'd always went up different ways. But it just sounded like, it sounded fucking brilliant. Yeah. Uh, so they were leaving the Thursday morning and I was saying that to the band like a few weeks before. It's like, I'm going to go up on the Thursday and enjoy the full weekend because I'd only ever been up for one or two nights or whatever. Never done the full mm. Thursday to Monday thing. So I'd went up on Thursday and then I'd just been like getting completely on it from the Thursday morning and going about different tents and getting up to all sorts. And about 10, 10 in the morning on Friday, I was going to get water. I was smoking a joint. The police like said, can we search you? And I was like, I of course uh, I knew that I only had a, like, I was only smoking a joint. I didn't have anything else on me, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, the police going, cool, you've got nothing to worry about. Just, uh, well, let's still smoke a joint sort of thing. <laughs> and then he goes, cool, you're good to go. And he goes, fact, what's that? And then pulled this big bag of white powder at my top pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, honestly, I don't know where, where that came from. Uh, I, I, I was I was at my nut. At the time, but I was—I was honest. I didn't know where, where it sort of came from. And then the police came out, and then they took me out to be hanging with the cutting off my band and kicked me out. And then I was saying, I was thinking, if there's one way of getting to stay in, it's just saying I'm playing with a band here on Sunday night at Lafontaine's and all that. But as I said, that the other guy has is on the radio, and then because it's it's got back to all the the organisers and all that, saying that the drummer for the LaFontaine's had been kicked out mm-hmm. for, for drugs. Uh, and the, I don't, they told me, I, I was trying to get back in, you know, that sort of thing. I was trying to like, 
I was going running for the man, trying to sneak back in. Uh, <laughs> aye, all sorts. And then eventually, I, I don't know, I woke up, and it was Saturday morning, and in my own bed, uh, and then I realised I, like, totally fucked it, because if I knew what I was doing, when the police were kicking me out, I wouldn't have said anything, because then I could just get straight back in, mm-hmm. no bother, abusing my privileges and connections, but... Cause that one, it was the it'd get back to like the press and all that new. So like if they let me back in, it would it'd be how uh, one rule for artists or whatever, and all that sort of thing. At one point, I was going to be getting like a police escort on the site to play the gig, which would have been cool as fuck. Um, oh, aye, but then not then then it just said said no, nah, I can't do it. But they they had to get a rehearsal with this other guy Ian, who saved the day. They've they've never let me live it then. Anytime I, I, I fucking up, kids, so like, we've got to use Stuart on the phone. Like, it, was, it, was, it was absolutely shite. Really well, shite, man. See, uh, I was, I was... see, we, see like, uh, on the podcast and all that, we talk, he's talking about this and he's kind of talking about all the scrapes you get into. Like, mm-hmm. What are Kerr and Dad's like? Are they, they must be, they must get up to their own stuff and all. They must be just as bad as you. Or are you just totally weird, weird control for them? <laughs> they're, they're, they're much worse. I, not, aye, uh, aye. We'll get us. No, I'll make this a big headline for the podcast. It's not like I go, uh, I don't know, looking for trouble. I just, I think that's my perspective on it, like finding the, the funny bits and the. I think it's the just because you're, you're so friendly, aren't you? And you kind of, you'll talk to anybody. You I, don't, I, you, I don't think you realise you're in troublesome situations. Aye, okay. I think I'm probably easily easily led as well. <laughs> easily led astray. <laughs> but uh, that team, the park one, that was like a that was a serious kick in the boys, man. So uh, to some extent, cleaned uh, uh, my act up. Oh, and then a few weeks after that, well, a few a few months after that, I met this guy. I'll not tell you who he is, but. Uh, he's going all right, mate. Uh, how'd you enjoy that that speed I gave you at tea in the park? And I was like, <laughs> what, you, "What are you talking about?" And it was like, "You were over in the, on Friday morning. You were playing the guitar, and then I gave you a bag of speed. Uh, did you like it or something like that?" And then that's it. Then I realised that's what it was when the pulls. Aye. It was speed that pulled out my pocket. Uh, so this guy had gave me it. I was like, "Fuck!" I, I, that's where it came from. Um. So anyway, I know. I think um, I think uh, I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, so the following year, you played in New York. Was that you won? Was that the Scottish Music Awards? You won some some award that got you to, to America. I we won. I don't know what the what the award was, um, what it was for, but I knew that we, we won something, something like Best Live Actor, something like that, and uh, we, got, we got to go to New York, man. It's, it was fucking wonderful, man. Uh, we were there for like nine days or something. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, a good amount of time to spend somewhere rather than like going for a long weekend or whatever. It was there like uh, get a good mm-hmm. experience. Like, I, I mean, a lot of times you're on tour and you're only in cities for a couple of hours. 
And uh, yeah, sometimes the venue's no near in at all. Do you know what I mean? Like, like right. in Glasgow, it's equivalent to playing it like SWG3, but you're, you know what I mean? You're a good hour's walk for the city centre or whatever. Mm-hmm. But in New York, we were there for I like nine days, man. It was it was great. I still not, like never seen like the Twin Towers bit or the Statue of Liberty or like quite a lot of shit never got to see, but mm-hmm. just absolutely loved it, man. But I'm, I been? mean, like, I've never, I've never, the furthest I've been is uh, Spain. I've never been anywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. But like, playing it somewhere like, like the Bowery Ballroom, like, that's like a, that's like a famous place, isn't it? That's where the Strokes and all that used to play. So that's like, that. that's really good to have in your CV, isn't it? Was it just I've the done, two gigs you played there? I think we've done... I was thinking about this today, actually. I think, uh, I think we done, I think we done four gigs, and we done a, a sort of DJ set or something like. That. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the gigs where it was only acoustic, but it was we played in Central Central Park, um, <laughs> which I always forget about. It wasn't like obviously like the Simon and Garfunkel bit, but it was this wee stage that was it was a there was a ten k or something on that day or, or a. A half marathon, or right. at some sort, of, it, was, it was like a, a Scotland themed fun run. But it was like <laughs> a good, uh, a good ten thousand people taking part of it. Anyway, it was just like a, see, like a wee mobile stage sort of thing. We played, right. but still, again, if you if it's for the CV, then I can still say like I've played in Central Park. Um, have we done another one, the Mercury Lounge, mm-hmm. and the Webster Hall? Oh, but just like the, the, the folk we were meeting and all that when we were there, it was just fucking, well, Aye. we've not been back right enough, but it was just a, what an experience to, to, I don't know, go to New York with your band for nine yeah. days. Because, well, it's your pals as well, isn't it? At the end of the day, it's your pals. It's like going Aye. on a lad's holiday. At the end of that year, then you, you sold out the ABC in Glasgow and you had Jerry Sanderman supporting you. So, I, I, that was to, uh, 2014 mm-hmm. that was Halloween and the, the theme for that gig it was meant to be like a, it was a, a, a zombie outbreak or something and the only safe place was uh, in the, the ABC so we'd filmed uh, started with a big screen like this wee sort of daft film that get made for it and then as if I was running up Sucky Hall Street and then and the venue as if and then walking on stage it was obviously filmed before but made to look like that Aye, that was uh, to the aye, Jerry Cinnamon. Aye, he was supporting man. Um, I was sort of pal with him, and I asked him if he oh, got him, got him the support. Mm-hmm. Which is aye. You know. so, so you basically broke Jerry Cinnamon. You made him the star that he is. No, it? no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, aye, aye, so we've done a few gigs with him. Mm-hmm. Cause that's like a dream lineup. I think I spoke to you outside Durbridge, and you were. I think you ended up playing the Civic, obviously in twenty eighteen. But I think you've been telling me then you were talking about maybe that SW SWG three. You said something about that, and maybe playing that with Jerry Cinnamon, but obviously um, it never happened. But that's how you done. I don't think that's where the Civic came from. But I that would have been like massive, like because you and Jerry's albums were be footy then, so. Aye. Oh, I, I think like his 
then obviously took off, uh, ah. and then he could soon do arenas and stuff like that sort of thing. So, 2015, you released your first album. I think this is then when I kind of started following you. So you released the first album, you opened in the park on the main stage, and then you, you finished the year doing a headline show at the Barlands as well. So that, that's that's like three milestones in the one year, man. That's Aye, really good. I remember put, uh, doing the in the park, the main stage, um, and just do a, I can't remember who was headlining. I think maybe the Libertines. Mm-hmm. But they were doing, like, uh, the, the headliner festival gets a sort of sound check or gets everything mm-hmm. in the morning before the first one. But it was like, whoever the headliners were, stuff was set up. And then it was us, us our wee amps and like, drums. Uh, <laughs> it just looked tiny. And then we had, like, a, a backdrop, the same backdrop that we would, like, just playing in, like... I kind of think of the size, but you just use it for like pubs and stuff like that. Aye. And it's like they're hanging the backdrop up, and it was just like looks so <laughs> tiny on the stage. Aye, that was that was amazing thing to do. Did you announce the Barrowlands? I can I can mind hearing about it that weekend that you were playing the Barrowlands, so you must have announced it kind of on stage or something, or just after it or whatever. Aye, I think so. I think because first album was just at the end, minute, so Aye. that's usually how it works. Because mm-hmm. um, that's kind of. I can make. I, I bought about five, five or six tickets for that Barrowlands show. I was just taking everything day for my work and things like that. Because I, I was like, you need to hear this band, man. And you were, you were brilliant that night. I can mind. Uh, that, that was a. Uh, that was a. Uh, that was that was probably one of the best gigs we've ever played. Aye. That first time at the Barrows. Like looking back on the first album, which your kind of thoughts on it, you still kind of happy with it because just for. If you're listening to you on the podcast and when you kind of review the albums, what, what, what's your thoughts on it now? Because I think it's brilliant. Uh, I think it still stands up. Aye, man. Cheers. Uh, it's my thing. That's six years ago now. Um, I recorded it doing in Woking next to... We stayed on Stanley Road to see like Paul Weller album. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where we lived there. We were there for like three weeks or something. Yeah, we had to go down another couple of times, but uh, it was in the summer, the 2014 World Cup was on, and it was just fucking an amazing time. It was it was beautiful every day, and just watching football and uh, recording music, and everything was everything was exciting and magical. Right. Uh, and it was good when it came out, just sort of thing, just thinking, oh, it's cool. Well, you've got a proper album out. It's not mm-hmm. just on Spotify and that, but you can get it in some shops and that. And we put it out ourselves. Just made, I think we had a couple of offers of folk wanted to put the, the album, but then we thought we better day one anyway, just before we've been going for years and still not put an album out. So, because mm-hmm. we've been in a band for seven years or something like that and still hadn't done an album. Yeah. So we thought we better fucking day one. Aye, it was brilliant, man. That was, it's really impressive. So, I mean, obviously, so you hung about seven years. It was as if you were waiting on me finding out about you before you brought out an album or something. That, that's what it was like. No, I think it's brilliant. Obviously, my wife doesn't like any music the same as me, and she thinks she's a brilliant. Cool. And that's just through me just constantly playing that CD. So, a couple of years break, and then you come back with 
the second album, which whenever he's kind of talk about it, he's don't seem as impressed with it. But again, man, I think it's good tunes. I, I, I think it's just I, what I find with common problem is all the songs are kind of different style. Aye. So you get like a kind of dance one, like a pop one, and a rocky one. But I quite I like know. that. I think that's what's. I think that's what's held us back as well. So I think because nobody knows what what genre he tag is under. Aye. But that's a good uh, thing, isn't it? You don't you don't want to be pigeonholed. No, I know, I know. Uh, but for record companies and things like that. There was a label, whatever they were called, they, they, they put out the, the second one. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what, 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 what went wrong. It does have good songs and that on it, but just, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I just know it's not as good as the first one or the third one, so I think just not as good. Or it didn't really do much for us, didn't it? Push us into like, uh, another realm of success or whatever. Right. Uh, but then the third one did. Oh, I just need, it's like we're not, not going to be like mad number one band given the sort of music that we make, but um, it's just fucking great fun to keep trying. No, well, that's I mean, every day you, you've got a fan base that that buy buy the music because they love it. So mm-hmm. you're kind of. You're not making music to chart, and you know you're making music because that's what you do, and you need to do that to kind of be happy. Just that is what you do. You're an artist, aren't you? Aye, fucking, I fucking love it, man. The um, past few nights have uh, been Dad sent over a whole that new demos, so I've been singing the last few nights and playing the guitar, and uh, I get in. Getting loads of new music done. Right. Uh, just hopefully can record it properly soon. Sometime uh, in the next aye. in the next three years or something once we're allowed to hear this. So you brought out the second album. I went to the album launch in King Tuts. Uh, when you done your rebook reading as well. What was it? See see when you oh, brought it. I see when you brought out the book, whose idea was that? Was that your idea or was that kind of the rest of the band coming to you? Uh, I think it was Kerr's idea. I, I can't remember. It's I think a few folk had been saying to me for years about doing some sort of writing more. Like I used to write like daft things on Facebook, but they were usually pretty long. I think it, the, the idea of the book was that folk... You could only buy the book if you bought the album. Mm-hmm. And I think when you folk, there were some folk that couldn't be, didn't really care about the buying the album, but would want to buy the book. So it was just a, a right. wee cheat to try and get folk to, a, a marketing technique. But then from doing it, like, a, that, that was 2017. Uh, and after that, I wrote a, a couple of things for the Sunday Mail. Um, and a couple of papers, mm-hmm. but uh, I've got, I think this is day 21, I started writing a, a journal mm-hmm. uh, 21 days ago, uh, everything that I'm, that I'm doing the now, uh, and I'm going to write that to the end of August, and right. then hopefully there's a few, sort of, I've got a couple of links or whatever, but I think I, I could hopefully get it published 
Oh, so. If not, then just do it myself. But try and don't know, I'm enjoying writing. Uh, you have got it. away with it. You've, you've got kind of away with the words. And that, like, obviously on the last episode of the, the Laugh on Danes podcast, again, sometimes, right, I go to bed and I put a podcast in. So I was listening to you, I was listening to Laugh on Danes in bed and I woke her up because I was laughing again, laughing out loud at your diary. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck is on? So like, <laughs> half one in the morning, I'm lying in bed laughing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I find that really, really funny. Um, do you, do you realise, kind of, do you realise how funny you are or do you just kind of, is that just like a wee, that's just your world? <laughs> no, I just, I don't know. Maybe... I've got a, a sort of good eye for things that aren't necessarily funny, mm-hmm. but uh, just try and try and make it funny. But the, the, the good thing, well, writing the journal and uh, there's a couple of days that I've just been scunnered, mm-hmm. like um, just writing everything. And you know, I'll, I'll, I'll edit it eventually. But I, I've got a, a lot to a lot right. to say. <laughs> you played the Barlands again. That was in 2017 after Common Problem came out and uh, you had the hound. I mean, meeting the hound at the Barrowlands. I mean, giving him, <laughs> him a cuddle and rubbing his head and then hunting. he would bat a fuck out of me. <laughs> uh, and that was, and you played in a cage as well at that, at the Barrowlands. That's what you done for the stage show. I know, well, the, that, was, that was funny, man. We'd booked like this sort of scat, like... It was meant to do the foot the album. It was meant to be the album cover. Meant to be a CP. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was fine. I got there. I got in about twelve o'clock or one 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 in the afternoon, and then the, the guys just finished setting up. And then I was like, right, we we got to we got to move that so I can sell. That's where the drums go. So I think it's like no, well, because of the size of the one that we had booked, it's like it physically couldn't go anywhere else in the the stage. It just looked like this. Uh, Mad fucking scaffolding, I, um, <laughs> and then so I, was, I had to sit up behind <laughs> behind the scaffolding, um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, I was annoyed about it. I was not annoyed, but just like I think here a few a few folk were really annoyed, but it's like because of the how long it takes to set up, it, it's not a thing that they could just go take it down. Because especially when the rest of the stage was set up, run about it then. Aye. Uh, so, so I had to just leave it, man. Um, but that's what, like, Kermit, like, he, like he's on stage, he makes that, makes that hilarious. Like, he's saying to the crowd that, like, we had to pay three grand for this and all that sort of thing. Um, genuinely cost us thousands of pounds. Uh, I, the Hound, um, I've still never seen Game of Thrones. Uh, I, I dare say I would, I would enjoy it if I'd seen it, but. I've just sort of missed the, missed the boat with it. But anyway, he was, I think he'd been at a gig or two or four, but then, I don't know what, 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 what but he came on and introduced us at the encore, or reintroduced us for the encore. Uh, and then he said, somebody must have thought, like, told him what to say, but he said that like, it going, it's time to release the hounds, but we'd already played release the hounds before. Uh, but I uh, just funny him being there. Uh, the after party, like he's just a bit, he's about seven feet or whatever. Nah, he's a, a cool guy, Aye. cool guy, man. Um, apparently lives in a boat on Loch Lomond. 
Uh, it sounds cool. I'd quite like to live in a boat. So the following year, you played Transmat. You kind of you get put into Transmat at short notice. You've been playing in Germany, and somebody felt it, and you you stepped into open. You mind that? Oh, uh, the the first year, the first year at Transmat, we played. We headlined the King Tuts. Uh huh. Stage. That was um. Twenty seventeen. Yeah, was that that? I twenty no, maybe twenty eighteen. I don't know. Anyway, um, with twenty seven or whatever it was, we done. We played. We headlined them, and it was like us and Lewis Capaldi and Kenny Cinnamon and that again. The next year, we were at a festival in Germany, and then I think we were booked to come home the next afternoon at leisure, but we played, and then we asked if we could open transmit on the main stage. There was it was meant to be Jerry Cinnamon's slot, but there was. Some rapper, I can't mind what he was called, but he get Jihas, I get done for like stabbing somebody or something or something like. He went to jail, so I think Jerry was getting his slot, and then so he needed somebody open, and then uh, try to book flights. So wherever we were, like whatever city we were in, we had to get an airport that was a few hours away. Uh, I had one of those like up all night sort of thing, traveling, and then. Getting into Edinburgh and then just going straight to transmit. I uh, had to phone my pal Cuff to the guy I was talking about earlier on to like get pick up my drum kit right. and all that. He was working, um, so I had to go in and he turns up to transmit in his van, work van and all that with a, <laughs> um, unloading, unloading the drum kit and all that because we were in Germany, but I just had a rental one over there. Right. But I was like very exciting, but then it was like, uh, well, there, there's the the extremes of it after I played it Transmit on the main stage that night I was playing in the Waverley and Wishy to <laughs> to like almost no one but you, I, get, I get paid for it so <laughs> <laughs> so would that have been me you, you and Jim just aye aye which I think uh, are some of the best gigs that I've seen I really miss playing especially with Jim just uh, just playing covers yeah. Singing with each other, man. Cannot wait till that gets. I think that that'll come back first. I think, like, for example, yeah. when the pub's open, we might be able to play. But everybody has to st- sit down, sort of thing, and then it might. I think that's what the the, the return to live music will be. Yeah. Uh, ho- hopefully, I can ride the the full wave. It'll be kind of. I think late in the summer you'll get you'll be able to do like beer garden gigs and things like that. Aye. I, I think so. I think me, me and Jim are talking about. In the summer, touting ourselves as, like, we'll come and play your barbecue, sort of thing. Right. Because it's well, just the two is we can, we can accommodate for being, like, quiet or, or as loud or whatever as as we need. Um, <laughs> but we're talking about, uh, me and Jim were talking about doing, like, a live stream somewhere. Or just, mm-hmm. like, getting a, the guy in Gidwoods was quite a lot us do it in there, but then they're saying no, no, just because it's, they can't even seem to have other folk in the pub. They're still doing deliveries and that, but right. uh, I, I really want to start playing again, man. It we must be more of kind of just sitting about and not being able to do it. It must be mind numbing. I've, oh, I've been able to do loads of other things, just know the drums, really. Mm-hmm. Just really want, I've got a wee kit and I could set up for the house, but I've got neighbours and that, so I've not got. I've not been able to fucking Aye. volley them. Um, 
but I'm dying to knock fuck out a drum set, man. It's 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 no mind numbing. I've been, I don't know. I have I'm, I have been happy. Aye, I know well, it's a, but happy, a but, bad busy, but you've people, been but, obviously putting fridges in shops and things like that, and doing your diary and all that. You have you have had hundreds of things to do, but it just must be murder not being able to play music with your band. You know what I mean? It must. Aye, be. aye, it's just I but it is very like first world problems do you know what I mean it's like I'm, I'm not hungry or whatever by any means and because I've no been gigging I've actually been able to make money for working because uh, mm. I've not been away all the time I was uh, going to come on to that actually later on but how do you kind of deal with that like obviously juggling jobs when you are playing live music do you just um, I just take whatever's going man uh, I, I, ideally it'd be a bit great to just make a living off music but I think, especially with the bands, it's like the we're just at the, the next wee rung of the ladder, and that that's a, a realistic possibility. Then we just sort of take like dividends, and we get a wee wee bungs here and there, and then and get some royalties, and the royalties come in like every every quarter. But it's a uh, we're waiting on that good one that's got to be like a good couple of grand. But usually they're uh, a couple of hundred quid or something like that. Kit Carroll do DJing. He DJ he was DJing in Firewater and then I I would play around about the pubs and just do whatever like la- labour and shifts or I I'll be fucking it in, man. I'm not too proud to Which is no work song, man. I so I've got a couple of jobs in there, work with a joiner and uh, I'll just do whatever. Looking back to twenty eighteen, mother will sell it. Mother will start at getting kind of decent gigs now, Hannah. So but to play Um like we hadn't played in Motherwell since like 2009 or something like that. Like, remember Starker? Aye. We, we used to always play there and then I always wanted to play more local gigs, but they were always like, nah, we need to be, we need to play like less gigs to make the next one bigger and stuff like that. You did one, mind you, did a, it was your sister that ran it, wouldn't it? That'd be. Being Bell Tain or being Bell Haven. Aye, aye, we've done that a couple of times. I think the last one we done was like two thousand and eleven, mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, but if, if if I was the band's manager, I would have had us playing in fucking see for every pub that me and Jim play in, for example. It's like they're all saying, you know, get the Lafontaine's in. Aye. Yeah, if it was up, if it was up to me, we'd be playing in every fucking. Every daft wee boozer in the in Lanarkshire, <laughs> the Clellan Club and all that. Well, that's it. Well, the Clellan Club's shut now, isn't it? I think it's shut. I think it's not doing I we did we did play there once actually, and it was it was like a charity night, but we were able to get paid like three hundred quid for it, which was the most mm-hmm. we've been paid for a gig at that time. Which that would be my dream actually to see the La Fontaines in a place where you could buy breakfast at the bar. But I so you playing the Civic man was a that that was a really good gig to end of the year aye it was amazing man we had uh, a few like a week before that gig or I think that year we'd played quite a bit in Europe so like the I remember going down to the going down to the Civic how did I get done again to my mum somebody gave me a lift anyway but the Civic and then there was all these like folk over for Europe and all that that had been like they were spending the day just like outside the gig really early it looked like um Folks thought I looked like, like mad refugees or something like that. Right. It's like the Civic, but it was just like uh, fans that came from like Italy and Spain and all that. Aye, it was really cool, really cool, man. Like the 
just the reception of doing that because it's easier to sell a gig in Glasgow because there's obviously aye because there's more demand for it, it isn't it? it? Um, but it was aye that was that was the brilliant gig a, a week before that we'd, we were in uh, India mm-hmm. we were there for like same as New York we were there for like eight days or something so we got a right good experience it man we've done done a couple of gigs in India and it's fucking so good what's, so good what's kind of the difference like with the fans like are they mere like obviously like see you in Japan and places like that they're really fanatical or is that kind of similar in India I would say I think like we definitely made that only done a couple of gigs but the, the, you can see the statistics on like Instagram like the India's one of the after the UK and maybe like Germany or whatever India's like get the, the like the most amount of followers or something like that. I just, it's not it's no as easy to just jump over to India and do a gig, but it was um, just, even when you're walking about, folk just come up and say, can we get a, a picture with you and all that? Uh, it's it's hard to, it's hard to describe. It wasn't like the Beatles or whatever, but it was like, mm-hmm. I, it, it must be different though, because like, they must not get like a lot of, of bands playing there there. Well, obviously, I, saying that, if I've got these festivals I, lined up, what was, what was the festival though? Was it kind of, more uh, was it like a kind of dance type festival? Uh, there was like four big outside stages uh, and a couple of tents. I think the I'm trying to think like other Western bands that were playing or like uh, ones that you would know. But it was like um, I think Joe Satriani was one of the headliners. So, right. Uh, but it was it was all really varied. But it was um, McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Sponsor. Bacardi, whatever. I and I think that as it seems, we've not been back, but it looks like that there's um, in India you just get see like Red Bull, loads of companies like that, all just like fling together big, massive uh. parties like that sort of thing. Um, so I think we've got some content we we're meant to do like a twenty second tour with. I don't know, Jack Daniels or something like that, ruin 20 Indian cities. Never happened, but I hope it does. It's good we've got we've got good connections over it. Like the best bit, the best bit about I don't know, my full life is getting to go places and yeah. so especially getting an experience that you wouldn't if you were just going as a tourist. Like um and you're with your pals again, so things so like I getting picked up at the airport in India, like the just getting driven about all week and like, yeah, treated really well. Oh, it's fucking great, man. And then yeah. now I'm just on a back to the building sites. And now 2019 was when you was when Junior came out. That's also when you took over the vocals and you played St. Luke's as well, which I was at. Aye. So, how did it feel kind of taking on the vocals? When was that discussed? <clears throat> was that? Kinda. So we had the the other boy in Neil, mm-hmm. we had Neil in playing. Uh, I think John after common problem. John was getting too busy with his work, and he was, was working for the bank, and he couldn't take like, like could only take so many days off and stuff. So we're like, right, fair enough. Um, and then Neil was doing that. He was doing the singing. So between me and him, we could do it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, common problem. I was already singing more on, on that album. We started recording Junior with Neil and he had wrote like a couple of the tunes and then left. For, I don't know why he left. Um, but we were too 
I don't know. We 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 didn't we were just thinking we didn't want to get another person in the band and then have to worry about their yeah their life as well. So I think we we knew that between me, Daz, and Kelly, like, we can do it. I, I I can know that I'm a fucking yeah. I'm but I can I can sort of sing. Um, in the three years with with date till till the the, the dying end. <laughs> um. <laughs> Well, see, this is the thing, obviously, with you being local, like, so I've seen you busking, so I, like, we all know that you can sing. But obviously for for certain parts of the fan base, it might be no way being I don't, local. I don't, know if you, I, I, don't, I don't know if you ask the, the woman in <laughs> Greg's. I don't think they'll give you the same answer. I, I've not done it for, I've not done it busking for a while. I went, uh, no, 20 19, um, it was like three days, I was out, and it was April or something like that, it was quite nice, and I was out, and then there was a fourth day I was going out, and then there was another boy there, and then I just sort of left it, and then, yeah. and now it's like, it's when I see when I see the new guy, it's like, I know that he'll probably know who I am or something like that, but it's, it's like dead awkward, I want to just go and talk to him, because otherwise I would just probably still have been busking in the last... We will just fuck because it's because I do like it, right? Because um, we jam used to busk here as well, didn't he? Was that jam spot and then he gave it to you, or did you share it or something? No, it was mine, but he done it a couple of times. Uh, well, I, before when I was a bit, my sister's the same age as Jim, so Jim's 10 year older than me. But there's a since I was about 15 or 16, my sister and her pals would always say, You're the same as your pal Jim. Um, and a few folk could tell me that. Uh, and then when I was, I worked at a pub in Z- Zico's, it was called. Uh-huh. And Wishy, across from the mall, it was like a Brazilian themed bar. I was out, uh, having a fag and then this guy, it turned out to be Jim, came out and said, like, can I, uh, can I get a lighter or something like that? And then <laughs> I was just like, you're Jim. And he's like, you're Jim, ain't you? And then, uh, then we started just playing together and then, that's uh, <laughs> hi. One of my best pals. You got him. He played. He was support for you at St. Luke's, wasn't he? Because that was the first aye. time I'd seen him on a, seen him in like a proper place in Glasgow, which was aye. amazing. But that was a brilliant gig. Again, aye. obviously on another podcast that I did, I was talking to. I've interviewed a guy, Brown Bear, Matthew Hickman, I don't know if you know aye, him. Aye, aye, aye. Matthew's cool. Aye, so obviously he was telling me all about, he does like tour management and all that as well, which got aye. me thinking about the St. Lutz gig when Kerr was up on the balcony, because he was in the balcony right in front of us. It's only once I'd spoke to Matthew and I was thinking about it, because how did that come about? Because that's like, that's like one of the most, mental hands I've seen at a gig and it obviously was Aye. super confident but what the fuck would have happened if he'd gouted after that man? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Is he carried on the gig? That's what I mean. I don't know. I mean, usually, I don't know, it does climb about things and that. Um, I, so far there's not been any accidents but then that's us all. Uh, mm. that, was, that, that was Dad's 30 the other day so that's us all, like 30s. Um, I don't know, maybe by the time we start playing gigs again, it'll be 
I don't know, because the, the, the people that come to see us will, pro- will be older as well. Yeah, um, yeah. well, that, but that's I, the thing. I mean, the older I get, it doesn't make me behave any better. If anything, I behave worse. I, and see, because you don't get to as many gigs as well, see, when you get to a gig, you cut your arse with it. We've had the podcast, which has been good. But the, the podcast's been amazing, man. Cheers, man. It's it's, 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 uh, it's quite buzzing about it. Like it's uh, the past few weeks I've had a, a rejuvenation for it. It's um, kinda evolved as well, hasn't it? It's you kinda it started with just kind of the fees kinda sitting down talking, but I mean I like the ones where you have guests on it as well. Uh, I I think that's what we, that's what we've Done for the next couple of guests. We get um, I uh, I buzzing about it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so who's again? Was that just kind of was that Kerr's idea to do that? And did you did you realise kind of did you think it would be a lasting? Did you think it would be lasting? Um, no, I thought we got to do like well initially it was like see the stories for the book. Mm-hmm. And then you kind um, of it was gotta be it's gotta be just me reading them out and then put them up as like a on Spotify like a, an audio book sort of thing. And then it's like we'll we'll all talk about it and then I think we'll just gotta do the stories for the book. I think we did them all and then try to think like, well, what else can we talk about? And then we, we watched all the videos. Now, now we've we've spoken about the band have done the full history of it. Um, yeah. so now it's just just talking shite. It is just totally talking shite, but it's it's funny. Um, hmm. Yeah, that needs to edit it and all that. But um, so he does the most work. But we've made like made a few quid off it, um, which has been good, especially with not having any gigs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I a... folk genu- genuinely like it, so so keep doing it because folk folk follow it. Yeah. Well, that that was kind of. I mean, I've I've been listening to podcasts for a couple of years, so I I listen to I go to work. I just listen to podcasts all day. I've Aye. actually no get time for the amount of podcasts I've got to listen to. But like yours is one that I listen to as soon as it's out. Right, good Scottish ones. I think we've got a couple of fit ones coming up. Right, the other day. But he he cared knows more about Fitba than me. I know, I know a, a decent enough mm-hmm. surface level of Fitba. Uh, but no no uh, no enough. Yeah. Enough. But um But no still, I mean and it's good to have you on this one because obviously I've heard Kerr on a couple of ones. He's been on Sean McDonald's one, he's been on I think he's been on Rebel City or something else anyway. Mm-hmm. And obviously I've heard the two years on Derek Watson's one. So it's kind of nice, Aye. obviously, to have you on yourself. You, you certainly know your podcast. <laughs> uh, I don't, I'm not really a, I listen to some of that. I like BBC Sounds, um, some of the history ones and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
just if I'm out running, but I don't really listen to them in the house. Right. Uh, or if I'm in the van going to work, uh, I've listened to a few Joe Rogan ones with Brian Cox. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that's the thing. There's, there's that many stuff. There's that much stuff out there. Before during Christmas at my work, I was listening to what a right cheery one. It was uh, the real dictators, the greatest dictators. <laughs> I I said that one about Chairman Mao. Aye, aye. Was there good. was him and there was a uh, North Korean boy and Stalin. They done everything for Hitler for some reason. Uh, so I so I spoke about the podcast. Spoke about. I don't think we need to ask you any funny stories because it's been kind of peppered with funny stories. We spoke about your busking. I we've spoken, we've covered everything really. The last thing, obviously, the, the podcast is called Time for Heroes. Right. Uh, so I've had Des, I've had Jim's brother Des on it. Uh, right. And what I say to him is, is cool. What I say to him is, uh, you're having a dinner party and you have to pick four, four people that you consider heroes. Who do you want to have at your dinner party, dead or alive? And do you need to tell me what you're, what you're cooking them as well? <laughs> I don't know, because it's like a lot of folk that you, you know, if you met them, it wouldn't be mm-hmm. what you wanted. I suppose it's if you have having to sit down to dinner with them and they have time, but like... Because like, I love Bob Dylan, but I, I think he'd be standoffish. So right. I'd imagine if you met him, maybe uh, Joe Strummer right. would be one. Um, Shane McGowan. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bob Marley. And maybe John Lennon. Uh, I'm just, no, I'm just naming folk that I like. Yeah. Right, but that's that. Well, that's why I think that's why they're, they're heroes. I think I definitely had John Lennon there. <laughs> I would probably pick Bob Dylan myself. And what are you making them then, pot noodles like you were talking about earlier? Tonight I ordered a, a Vindaloo hoagie. Right. A Vindaloo chicken tikka hoagie. So it's like chips, cheese, chicken tikka, and a Vindaloo and a big bread. Right. Um, I'm not much yesterday I made food, but it was a uh, corn, corn mince and couscous. Right. Uh, <laughs> put some soy sauce, but just because you can microwave the corn in a minute and the couscous takes a minute too. And it's a, uh, it's pretty, there's a protein in the, in the corn. Um, so it felt quite healthy. I'm going to make them <laughs> corn and couscous so special. Do you eat healthy all the time, or just is it just whenever you feel like it? Yeah, uh, I think the news probably the healthiest I've ever eaten. It's, 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 my eating's got better as of as I got older. Mm-hmm. I think um, still yeah. no very good way like vegetables. I, I'm fine with the tasting, but the textures no great. So I just get put off of them. But like I like experimenting with soups. Right. Soup maker a few weeks ago. I feel I feel I'm going to have a healthy week this week. Right, and you're still are you still getting it running as well? Aye, I've just most days anyway. Uh, a couple of days I was working during the week there, and it was like 
one of the shifts was 19 hours and the other one was 16. So uh, I missed it for those two days. But uh, I've tried to try to try it good every day. So yeah, it must be good as well. Shit like that's just good for your mental health. Aye, man. I just like going out and I'm not trying to knock my pan in and go as fast as I can or try to beat my time, whatever, just good. And then I just listen to my music uninterrupted and just not really think about it and, yeah. and get to a point that I enjoy it. And I don't want to game, I just want to keep going. Probably the last story, see, before I go, I can mind walking to my work last year and it was just summer, so it was nice weather. And I was walking to my work and I had my last Fontaine's T-shirt on. Aye, aye. Uh, and you drove by me on a bike on got it was North Driver Road and we had a conversation while you were while you were cycling by on the other side of the road he says alright and I said alright for whatever reason I thought even though you were cycling the other way he says how are you how are you getting on and you were still cycling oh I'm getting on fine and I thought why the fuck are we trying to have a conversation like this but as well as that, and see, just having a, see wearing a LaFontaine's t-shirt <laughs> and bump into a LaFontaine, man, it made me feel dead <laughs> self-conscious. And I thought, I don't know if I can ever wear a LaFontaine's t-shirt again in my life. <laughs> that was funny, man. Um, I've, I've, I've seen it a, a few times. Uh, I mean, there was, I seen a lassie in Glasgow. Um, and she had the last Fontaine's t-shirt on uh, it was I think like a fancy bit of it but it was, it was, I was like oh nice t-shirt and all that uh, but she didn't know the band at all she just had the t-shirt for whatever reason right. so, and usually that only happens with the Ramones I know <laughs> I know uh, I've seen that a couple of times uh, a couple of times on trains or whatever just uh, folk with t-shirts on it's, it's cool um, hi uh, it was uh, a good one the other week I was on a building site in Canberra's Lion uh, there's a couple of guys on the building site like mad workies that are right into the band and all that and, um, that was funny as fuck uh, so, so you're cool with it then uh, you don't mind bumping into folk wearing LaFontaine's t-shirts? No, no, it's, I think it's, it's, it's cool. I think it's, uh, it's obviously a bit, uh, like, <laughs> awkward or whatever, but it's, uh, It's just because you're local and then, I was kind of like, oh, I would hate to bump into him again. I'd hate to bump <laughs> into you wearing a LaFontaine's t-shirt again because then you think that was like a mad stalker <laughs> or something. <laughs> Hey. No man, it's yeah, yeah. it's cool that it's cool that folk buy them, man, as well. Like we've done that every month. We've released a couple of new things, and then they're all selling it. Uh, so that's been keeping the business afloat the last year. Yeah, selling t-shirts. So it's we make more money for that than we do for for music. So <laughs> uh, cheers <laughs> for buying, man. Brilliant, man. Thank you very much for coming on. Any worries, man? Good talk to you.
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Time for Heroes podcast. If you would like to get in touch about anything, you can contact me on Instagram at Time for Heroes podcast or on Twitter at Time for Heroes P1 or you can drop me an email at Time for Heroes pod at gmail.com. You can find the podcast in all the usual places. Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iTunes and many more. Please leave a review wherever you can and share it with others but more importantly enjoy the show. Oh